all things New Orleans Saints. This is Who Dat Discussion. What is up, Who Dat Nation? Welcome into another off-season episode of the Who Dat Discussion. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Galata. You could follow me on Twitter at Andrew Galata, and then also you can follow the podcast on Twitter at the Who Dat Dis. And today I'm joined by a very special guest. He's an award-nominated film producer and writer and reporter for the Saints News Network on SI.com. Brendan Boylan, how you doing, Brendan? You almost let it slip that I was award-winning. <laughs> yeah. By all means, I'll take it. Um, and hopefully that's in the near future. But um, I appreciate it, man. I'm doing well. Uh, well we got the drafts like three weeks away. Uh, so a busy time, an exciting time. Saints have eight draft picks. And I could totally be off by this, but it seems like that's the most draft picks they've had in a, in a long time. So uh, it'll be a fun draft, especially the first draft moving on post Breeze, I feel like this could be one of those um, crucial drafts moving forward, and um, we'll have to see how it how it unfolds going the next couple weeks. And Brendan, you've been on obviously the show a good amount of times, and usually, you know, it's always really happy talking with you. But I do want to start off here on a little of a somber note here, as um, there's some you know tragic news as um, Tristan Edgerson, who was just on the podcast, um, you know, a few weeks ago, he was previewing free agency with us. He tragically passed away. And just for me, it's just so just, I mean, I can barely even put into words, you know, for someone that was like just with connecting and Brendan, I know you were too, just like connecting with him, just like up until the weeks before and just how sudden it is. So, I mean, I just, you know, throw my heart out to his family and his loved ones and still thinking and praying uh, for them. And just, you know, it's just so, so, I mean, sad to just, you know, it's even hard to put it into words because um, just, you know how sudden it is. And it puts in a lot of, I think, in perspective for me. And I bet you too, as he was an aspiring broadcaster, journalist, sports journalist, just like, you know, we were, and, you know, it's just like, it's really anything can happen. That's why I always try to just like, for me, live life to the fullest every day. And it's just like, it's for me, it's just like, I I had to take just, you know, a few minutes to be like, you know, just like the world can be really cruel sometimes. And it's really the only way I can put it. Yeah. um, I had spoke to Tristan within the previous week before, um, you know, he went to go be with Jesus. Right. And it it definitely threw me for a loop because very similar to how we're talking right now over a zoom call, Tristan and I were talking over a zoom call, um, and kind of working through some things as he was in his second month, maybe third month of interning with, uh, the saints news network. And, uh, he was such such a such a great young man and i can't even say kid i shouldn't even say young man we're almost the same age Kristen and i and it, it was uh it threw me for a loop as you said it's definitely hard to find the words because even in two or three months i could say tristan impacted my life in very positive ways and you look at some of his childhood friends um he had a couple of friends that were on the uh, Houston men's basketball team that made that final four run. And a couple of them talked about Tristan uh, after the sweet 16, the elite eight, even going into the final four, Tristan passing away just before their, their uh, matched up with Baylor. And 
you could tell just the, the kind of impact that, that Tristan had. He was not only an aspiring sports journalist, but he was a uh, two-star recruit, basketball recruit at a high school, uh, played a little bit at a community college um, in Louisiana. And, you know, he just loved sports. He loved every moment of it. He soaked up as much knowledge as he could. And, man, he was just so excited to, to kind of take that next step. He had just graduated in December, so uh, to feel like you were making those strides and making that next step, um, like you said, the world can be cruel sometimes, but if I've learned anything in my 25 years of being on the earth, it's that you know everything happens for a reason, and my Nana has, has told me that time and time again, though we don't know why this happened or why uh, Tristan is no longer with us. Uh, the, there's a purpose to it in some some weird way. Um, but with that being said, with, for the followers that have heard of Tristan's story, whether that be through the Saints News Network, maybe something I tweeted, Andrew tweeted, or maybe you just kind of followed the story through the Final Four with, with Houston's men's basketball team, if there's anything uh, you guys would like to do for the family, please reach out to me on Twitter. Um, at BT Boylan, and I can point you in the right direction. Um, again, a tragic loss. I definitely feel it. You know, I, I met weekly with Tristan um, just to chat and, and try to give him some advice, point him in the right direction, work with him. So it's it's a tough one. Um, but, you know, I'm thankful for the time that we did have, and I'm thankful he got a chance to be on the podcast with you, Andrew. And I'm thankful that I got to just work with him um, a little bit. Um, great New Orleans kid, home hometown, homegrown. You heard the New Orleans in his voice. He was he was uh, everything that a New Orleans should be. Um, and I know that he served um, his city and and his family proud. Um, though his uh, though his life was was taken too soon. No, yeah, for sure. Echo all those statements. And like, even when I had him on the podcast, you could just hear the excitement when talking about the Saints. And just like, you know, the, the, you can't recreate that. And, and, and that's why I was just truly honored to have him on the podcast. And I mean, the goal was to have him back on for, you know, definitely more times. And, um, you know, he was just a pleasure to have on, uh, you know, and, and he said, and he was like, he was great on the podcast. And, you know, he was like, we were, you know, had a good show. And then he was like, that was my first ever podcast. And I was like, well, that was amazing, you know, for your first ever podcast. And like, I mean, <laughs> that's what also he just he was extremely talented as well. And we worked with him, Brendan, you know, you worked with him with obviously with Saints News and uh, definitely, I mean, any way that, you know, you guys can help contact Brendan, he'll definitely point you guys uh, in the right direction as well. And also congratulations to the Houston basketball team. They had an amazing run um, as well. And I was following them. Um, and it just, you know, you felt the emotion with a few of those players and their, their post games. And, you know, it, it's something that I really felt just even watching home like ESPN and like, just like you just feel it. Uh, but I think the best way to kind of continue Tristan's legacy as he just loved, you know, journalism, broadcasting the Saints, New Orleans area would be talking about this team. And I, I definitely want to dedicate this episode to Tristan and, you know, his legacy and, you know, what a better way to do with this than talk about the Saints team and kind of dive into it here. And there was one big part of news for this for the Saints team this week. And it came out, I believe, on Saturday. And I know we haven't put out a podcast in a little bit. So I'm hoping bringing Brendan on that kind of makes a, makes 
um, all, all the listeners happy because we didn't get a podcast out on the weekend like I wanted to, but we're here with you tonight and we're talking about here with the Saints uh, liking, in quotes, Florida quarterback Kyle Trask as a, uh, as a potential long-term replacement for Drew Brees. This is per Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. And kind of the whole quote is there was a little buzz about him going to the Saints and the Saints liking him uh, during Florida's pro day. Um, he said, so they have Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill this year. And he says, maybe they'll get a guy like Trask, get him in the building, develop him, and he can be an option in 2022. They could at least look at him in those later rounds. So that was kind of the whole quote there and what Fowler said on ESPN uh, Sports Center, And just a very, very interesting kind of news, just because we thought the Saints were kind of done with quarterback. I thought they were done. So, Brendan, what was kind of your first reactions from it? And what do you really take from it? I think my first reaction, it kind of still is my reaction, is I feel like we do this every year. Right? <laughs> yeah. There's always one quarterback every year that's in the draft. And, you know, there's one or two reports that come out that say the Saints like, in quotes, quarterback A, <laughs> et cetera. And I go back in my mind, even before we were coming on the podcast today, I was thinking, okay, so you had Lamar Jackson just a few years ago, right? Uh, Patrick Mahomes in 17, which uh, Mike Dettelier, uh, who is a contributor with the Saints News Network, and obviously a lot of people in New Orleans know who Mike is. I remember doing a show with Mike shortly after the draft, and he said, listen, my sources tell me straight up that if Kansas City didn't trade to 10 in 2017, the Saints were going to take Mahomes at 11 instead of Marshawn Lattimore. That should speak volumes. Um, that's always going to be one of the biggest what ifs in Saints history for me. You know, oh, what yeah. if Patrick Mahomes was the successor to Drew Brees? That'd be crazy. Uh, but then even before that, um, I look at a guy like Aaron Murray was a guy that was oh he could be a day three, you know, pickup for the Saints and maybe he gets developed. Uh, another Georgia quarterback and Jake Fromm, I think it was last year, uh, came up in, in, in buzz. And like I said, I feel like we do this every year. And if you want to go really far back quote-unquote, really far back, you could look at a guy like Garrett Grayson, who they ended up taking. But from that point on, it's it, it felt like from probably 2014 on, it was Drew Brees, he's coming close to the end, the Saints got to find the successor. And But however, this is the first year where that is actually the case. There is no Drew Brees. But Sean Payton also said just a few weeks ago he felt really good about his quarterback room with Jameis and Taysom. So I don't see the Saints using a first, second, or third round pick on a quarterback this year. Now, if they go grab a guy in rounds four, five, that wouldn't surprise me. But I don't think Trask is going to be there. I think, I think, at, I think at absolute worst, he's a third round pick. And that's only because of what happened this week with Sam Darnold getting traded is now all of a sudden it looks like quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three, and potentially four as the Falcons are rumored to want to trade out of the four spot. And honestly, the Falcons stay at the four spot. The Falcons could very well take a quarterback because Matt Ryan um, is aging and, and getting to the end of, I know Sam fans aren't going to hear this, potentially Hall of Fame career. Um, of Matt Ryan, so you could re- you could really see quarterbacks go one, two, three, four. And with that being said, that then bumps a lot of people up. So I've seen Trask even mocked into the second round as of this week because of that move. 
uh, with Darnold heading to the NFC South. So I wouldn't put a whole lot into it if I'm a Saints fan, but you do have to understand the logic of going, okay, you got Jameis on a one-year contract. Taysom's avoidable at the end of the season. What if Jameis or Taysom, whoever starts, just has a terrible year? I can understand the Saints wanting to bring a guy in and try to groom him and have that emergency option for next year or the year following next year. I just don't see that being a guy in the first, second, or third round. I, I, I completely agree. Like, like for me, the biggest thing is like, I think fourth, fifth round, like those picks, like at the end of the day, you're kind of, I mean, <laughs> throwing gum against the wall and seeing it's trying to fix. That's just kind of how I, I look at those types of picks. And like, if you want to take trash there, that's fine. But in those first three rounds, I think the Saints do have four, uh, four picks. They do. And like, I, I want, you know, especially not doing anything in free agency, really, you want to add as much talent around. James Winston, Taysom Hill, as much as you can. And I mean, if Trask, if you really think Trask is the guy and he's the future, that's great. And then you should definitely pick him. But for me, like, obviously I'm not in the Saints building. I I don't know what they're saying, but I have watched Kyle Trask. And to me, he just doesn't seem like one of those prospects that, wow, he's going to be amazing. You know, to me at best, he's going to be probably a game manager type. And then, you know, from there, it just seems like, you know, what are you trying? If that's your ceiling, it seems like you already have a game manager with, I mean, guys like Taysom Hill, who I think could at least be a game manager, and he's kind of showed it. He won three out of four games uh, with the Saints. And, like, that's the thing. Like, Trask, he's smart. He makes the right throws. He's pretty accurate. I mean, he makes the best of his weapons. He played with two really good ones with um, uh, Kadarius Tony, and then their tight end. It's just now it's it's slipping my name. But it was um, the, the big oh, tight end for them. Yeah, yeah, Pitts. And sorry about that. And it was really them, too. Obviously, you have two amazing weapons. But then, you know, Trice was still giving him the ball. I mean, he threw for over 4,000 yards, threw for over 40 touchdowns, only eight interceptions, 69% completion. But when you're looking at Trask, he just seems like more of that game manager type. He's not a runner, and he's just more of that pocket passer. But his footwork isn't great. And that's something I think the Saints could work with. Like Taysom Hill's footwork was just god-awful before he came uh, to the Saints. And then, you know, it's really since Breeze and just taught him, Peyton, that his footwork got a lot better but Trask would probably have to do something similar. Trask's arm is not the best, best. It's not Zach Wilson throwing the ball 60 yards off his back foot. Crazy good. I mean, like to me, I kind of put him in that same, you know, kind of pocket as Mac Jones. I mean, I know Mac Jones is getting mocked way higher than him, but I'm not that high on Mac Jones. And I, I think they're kind of in that second round tier. Like I think if there wasn't so, so much hype, like they played great in college and they were putting up great stats, but it just seems like they're going to be more pocket passer game manager because they just don't have that amazing arm strength or he doesn't have, you know, that amazing, you know, mobility. And that's just kind of where I see Trask. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Saints would pull a trigger on like a second round. If he was there, maybe they'd move up in the second round. Maybe they move back out of the first and then get two second rounders, which I thought would be also kind of interesting. Maybe they do that to get the quarterback they like, but I feel like if they pick the experimental QB, I agree. I think it's probably going to be more in that fourth round, maybe a guy like Jamie Newman. I don't know if, uh, you know a lot about him, but just a big arm guy, very, very raw type talent. But that's just kind of, you know, what I'm thinking with Trask. And I just feel like the Saints have so many holes to fill. Spending one at quarterback is probably not that wise. Well, and also you have a guy like Jameis Winston, who when he signed with the Saints last season, I was very open saying, this is the future of the team. This is the guy. Again, 
as you said, I'm not in the Saints building. I just cover the team. But I certainly felt that this was going to be a move, not just for this year, but for the years to come. I've also openly shared that I think it was not just Sean Payton keeping his promise to Taysom Hill last season when Drew got hurt, but I also thought it was strategic. Because if the plan's to bring Jameis back, why would you show your hand and let other teams perhaps see how well or how good he had developed over the last you know, half a season? So I think there was some strategy there. Now, then you get into Jameis Winston and these interviews the last couple weeks or even the offseason as a whole, whether it's the Michael Vick He sounds amazing. Where he just sounded like a completely <laughs> different like, person. Thank you. <laughs> You could look at the one he did with the media after he re-signed and how emotional he got about talking about Drew Brees and what he meant to him. And I look at Jameis Winston and I say, okay, so mentally you appear as a completely different quarterback than what you were in Tampa Bay. There's that maturity factor. And as silly as it sounds, I think people forget um, in the NFL, the NBA, particularly the NBA, uh, because of how young they come out of college. but what do you expect out of kids, very literally kids, 20, 21, 22 years old, when they come out of college and all of a sudden they're not just the face of the franchise, they're, you know, deems potentially the new face of the league and you hand them $50 million. What do you expect kids to to do? And you saw some of the immaturities out of Jameis, but I think if you're bringing him back, they didn't commit like a whole lot of money to Jameis Winston, but there's a lot of incentive money. So I think if you commit that to him and you throw all these incentives into the contracts, it says that you do believe that this guy's going to be your starter next year. And if he has a good year, why would the Saints not bring him back? And Jameis was very open about being given the opportunity to not just learn from Drew and Sean, but to be able to like use that going forward in his NFL career. And so why not be in a place that believed in you? And gave you that chance. So I just don't see the Saints going out in the second round and grabbing a quarterback because now what does that say to Jameis Winston? Then Jameis is out the door. Yeah. I just don't see that being the case. I really, truly, in my heart of hearts, think Jameis is going to be the guy for years to come unless he is, he just has, unless he has the worst <laughs> year of his NFL career next year. Jameis is your starting quarterback moving forward. So why would you even damage, risk damaging the relationship by drafting another quarterback? Because I think they really found a diamond in the rough here. And I don't mean to go on this whole tangent on how I think Jameis Winston's going to <laughs> be the best thing for the New Orleans Saints. But yes, he threw 30 interceptions. Yes, he had off the field issues. But he was a pro bowler. He has thrown for 5,000 yards. He has now thrown a touchdown pass in the playoffs. You listen to different people in that locker room talk about Jameis Winston, and he already has the, a ton of respect out of that locker room. And there were little buzzes, nothing that became really big, but little buzzes that when Taysom was named the starter, there was almost like a split locker room that some people weren't really happy about that, which tells me. Very early on, Jameis Winston has the respect of his teammates. I think taking the year to almost like humble yourself 
gain knowledge and get better is only going to be good for Jameis. And for those reasons, why would you draft a quarterback? You have a Heisman Trophy winner, BCS national champion, uh, a guy that went to the Pro Bowl before, and it's thrown for 5,000 yards. He's right there for you. Let the quarterback whisperer that is Sean Payton groom the kid and see what happens. And I can still say kid because he's in his mid-20s. And that's the crazy part. Five years in the league already. He's only in his mid-20s. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't draft a quarterback. I just don't see it making logical sense for this team. But if I've learned anything about covering this team <laughs> over the last half decade is that they will do things that make no logical sense to me but end up paying off in the end. It's, it's, and that's why I am here and the people that work inside the organization are there. Look, that, that, that's a great case for Jameis Winston. And for me, like Winston, like he's a guy – I think coming into this year, like, I think he's going to get a shot. Like, I feel like Taysom, he got a shot. I don't, I don't think it was just to the promise. I don't think it was probably partly to hide Jameis too. I mean, I, I believe it was probably a little of that, but I honestly truly think that Sean Payton thought that Taysom Hill had a chance to be like this crazy, never before seen player. And then it's just like, you know, you kind of saw those flaws. You saw those cracks in, in Taysom Hill's game. And the one thing I do want to say, I think Taysom Hill would be better than Kyle Trask, to be honest with you. Let's say even Jameis doesn't work out. I'd rather see Taysom play, a st- be a starter than Trask. I mean, I, I I just feel like, especially if Taysom continues to grow at least a little bit, I'd rather see him than Trask. But I do want to see Jameis get the starting job, at least kind of see what you got in him. Because you, you, you said all his accolades. Like, he, he's... Like he's very talented. I think we all know that. Like I was watching some film of Jameis in 2019 and you just see some of these throws. You're like, I haven't seen this since Breeze was like 2009 Breeze, 2011 Breeze. And like some of these throws, it's just like, you know, it's like one-on-one with safety help and he's still hitting the receiver right in the middle. And, you know, it's a perfect throw. And like, and like some, some of those balls are just like, wow. Like you see the talent. And then you see some of the other plays are like, what are you doing? And like, I feel like, you know, he's obviously gonna have to mitigate those. And like with the Saints, I don't think Sean Payton will make will allow him to throw those those balls on the Saints, and that's why I don't think he's going to throw for a thirty touchdowns. I don't think he's going to throw anywhere close to thirty interceptions either. And I think the ball will be in Alvin Kamara's hands a lot. You want to get the ball to your best players, and that's why I feel like the the one thing that Bruce Arians I think didn't do, he tried basically to put Winston everything on his shoulders all at once for a season in, and then you got the output you got. And I feel like that's not the way to go. You should be able to, I mean, and, and he kind of did it in the game he came into, giving it to Kamara, giving it to Thomas, giving it to your best players, getting the ball in their hands. And yeah, he may not have 5,000 yards. He may not have 30 touchdowns. He's not going to have 30 interceptions and you're going to have more wins. And to me, that's just kind of where, when I'm thinking about Winston is he doesn't have to be this amazing Drew Brees type quarterback. This team is, is still, I think, a very solid team. And to win 10 games, which I guess 10 and seven, it would now be, I mean, to be 10 and seven, I don't think you need him to be this, Drew Brees, 2011, wheeling and dealing. Like, I just don't think he has to do that. I don't think he will do that. And it's a lot to ask a guy to come out and throw for 5,000 yards, you know, still throw for 30 touchdowns and throw uh, less picks. And it's going to be really interesting kind of to see how that all works out. But I agree with you. I, I wouldn't pick Trask with like a second rounder. I think this team does have too many holes. You know, you think about cornerback, linebacker, we're going to get into it in our next segment. But that's just kind of, you know, I, I guess how this, this conversation is going to end. I think it's going to be Hill. I think it's going to be Winston. I think Winston is going to get his shot to play. And then I, I think we'll have to see at the end of the year. And if Winston really isn't the guy, the Saints will probably have a high pick. And I'd much rather draft a quarterback in the first round with a top 15 pick, top 10 pick, than a second round guy that 
you know, you're kind of so-so on. Like that's just was always my like kind of, um, you know, thought about it. You know, usually when you're bad and you need a quarterback, that's the time to get to get your guy. And the Saints just aren't in that situation. You have a Heisman Trophy winner. You have a national champion. You have another guy in Taysom Hill who just does everything. Like, let's just see what you got in the building, and then we'll worry about adding guys outside. But uh, that'll definitely be interesting. It'll definitely be another interesting conversation in training camp talking about these quarterbacks, and it'll definitely be really fun. Next, we're going to move over to continuing our mock draft, our NFL mock draft simulation. Last episode, we did a first round, and you know we ended up picking Zayvon Collins, the linebacker out of Tulsa. Now we're going to talk about what we do in the second round. It should definitely be really interesting. But first, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Hootat Discussion Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back into the Houdat discussion. I'm Andrew Galata alongside our guest, Brendan Boylan. And Brendan, we're now going to get into some mock drafts. This is the best time of year for mock drafts. I feel like everyone right now is kind of going mock draft crazy. I think especially here in New York, you hear everyone, you know, with the Zach Wilson talking the quarterbacks, but I love talking about the Saints and what they're doing. I mean, we talked about last week at 28 and just, you know, what players they can fill some positions with. Was it going to be cornerback, linebacker? I ended up going with the linebacker just because Zayvon Collins, who to me is a guy that will fill right in there, play right alongside Demario Davis. And I'm, I'd be really excited about that pick. It's just because I didn't pick a cornerback because I felt there was a lot more depth back in the draft and second and third round. And I feel like linebacker, it's pretty thin. So if you're going to get your guy, you should go get him in the first or second round. I ended up going first round with it. And uh, that's one hole in this mock draft that's off the list. Now here for the second round, and I did the simulation, and now here are some of the guys available. I'll just give the top five for you guys listening, and starting off with uh, Dimey Brown from wide receiver out of North Carolina, Jabril Cox, linebacker out of LSU, Aaron Robinson, uh, cornerback out of UCF, Brevin Jordan, the tight end out of Miami, Milton Williams, the um, defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman from Louisiana Tech. Elijah Molden, cornerback from Washington. Richie Grant, the safety, which there were actually some connections with him with the Saints before they signed uh, Marcus Williams. He's from UCF. And then Tommy Togai, the interior lineman uh, from Ohio State. So a lot of very interesting names out there. So, Brent, is anyone, you know, one or two guys that you really feel like, like these are some really good prospects that you would consider picking? Well, I think first off, to, to go off your first round mock selection, that's a massive human being. Yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> he, he is a true 1990s linebacker, size and everything. Um, and he runs pretty well. Older too. Saints fans, <laughs> you could say. For older Saints fans, you could say like Von Johnson. I mean, just a just a yeah. huge human being. He'll knock you over uh, quicker than he comes across. I think that would be an excellent pick to to play alongside Demario Davis. So I really like that one. Now, before I say. You know, uh, I mean, honestly, I look at it. The first thing that pops off is Saints need some BBs, right? They definitely need number two corner. I look at the guy like Elijah Molden. I really like. However, obviously, it's only a mock draft. But the Saints have, as you mentioned earlier, Andrew, 
four picks in the first two days, including the last pick of day two. Now, I could see the Saints see someone slip into the second round and use some of those picks to trade up. Now, not quite the same scenario as what they did with Adam Troutman last year, where they traded the entire third day to get back into the third round. But I could definitely see them go, there's a guy who's slipping. We really like him. Let's trade up and get him. They kind of did that with Zach Bond, a guy that was slipping. They're like, let's go get him. Um, and in they this case, I guys. see Eric McCoy is another. Alvin Kamara is another. You can kind yeah. of go down the list. <laughs> they do it. They do it pretty religiously. They find yeah. one guy in the draft that they really like. They see him slip a little bit, and they go get their guy. I mean, Mickey Loomis is just uh, an artist when it comes to doing that. So I don't know, you know, if the Saints really like him, but I look at a guy like Asante Samuel Jr., who just a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, was a guy that was like a borderline first round pick. And now you're seeing them slip almost into, you know, the 50s, late 40s, early 50s. Well, the Saints pick at 60. I could see the Saints bundle some picks together and move up and get their guy if that's the DB that they want. But maybe like Elijah Molden, the guy that could slip into them right at 60. You never know. But definitely keep an eye out on that because the Saints actually have some picks this year they could use to move up opposed to trading future picks like what they did with Marcus Davenport. Remember, they traded not only their first-round pick that year, but their first-round pick the following season. So I could definitely see the Saints go, you know what, we got some picks this year. I got lucky for what seems like the first time in a long time, and the league gave them some picks. Um, So I could see the Saints maybe using some of those to get their guy. But based off your simulation mock, I definitely look at defensive back. Uh, You address the linebacker spot. I think you could still address wide receiver um, as well. But again, you know, you mentioned how deep you felt the DBs were. It's a deep class, but there's not a whole lot of times where you draft a guy in the third round who's going to end up being your potential number two defensive back throughout the season. It's where the history of the Saints and being able to plug and play some receivers in big spots, um, I could see them maybe wait till round three, round four, and grab a receiver. So right out the gate, I'm going to look at you mentioned uh, Robinson and Molden are two of the top uh, corners left on your board off the simulation. I look at those two guys. Um, I think St. Brown is an interesting receiver at yeah. USC. That would be a little bit of a stretch there where he is in the second round. Uh, maybe if the Saints wanted to trade down, but I think he's an interesting guy. Um, obviously has a brother in the league. And for a little bit there, it looked like they were going to become the, uh, the ball brothers of the yeah. NFL. Um <laughs> you know, to make that comparison. But I think St. Brown would be an interesting guy. But the other thing too, is I think Saints fans, especially that are just hammering away for a wide receiver. I'm seeing some mocks even take a guy like uh, Moore out of Purdue in the first round. As I say, let's, let's back up a little bit. Remember you have Mike Thomas coming back. Wasn't healthy for majority of last year. And the games that he was healthy, he had two nine reception, hundred yard games with Taysom Hill at quarterback. It's not a diss at Taysom Hill, but there is a drastic drop in play between Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. So two of his best games with a guy who made his first NFL start this last year at quarterback. You also have Marquez Callaway, who had a really good, surprising first year as an undrafted free agent. You have Traquan Smith, who I know you still like a lot. And honestly, for as much as people have some negative things to say about Traquan. You look, he actually finds the end zone a good bit. 
think he's got five, at least five every every one of his first three years. I think he's third out of that draft class. He's third in touchdowns out of that so, whole I mean, draft class, which isn't too bad. <laughs> no, and, and you can definitely say that Drew, in terms of touchdown passes over the, the last three years of his career, definitely declined, um, especially from where he was, to you know, third, high 30s, 40s every year. Um, but then another guy that I just – maybe it was the injuries. Maybe it's because he's the best punt returner in, in the NFL. But Deontay Harris is still a guy that I think could play a pivotal role uh, at wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. So right there, those are four guys that the Saints could use in heavy rotation throughout the season. So I don't see it as much of a priority to go get a receiver um, when you got a lot of guys in your own backyard that have a lot to prove. That's just me personally. I think the defensive side is where more of the questions are. Who, you know, who's going to play alongside DeMario Davis in your latest mock? You already addressed that. Who's going to play opposite Marshawn Lattimore? That's a huge question because whether it's P-Rob or P.J. Williams – I think those are serviceable guys, but that's definitely a step down from Janoris. So if you want them playing at the number two spot, you got to have somebody that you're grooming behind them or draft a guy that can play number two, throw them into the fire and let some of these veterans groom them. I think after addressing linebacker in the first round uh, in your mock, that addressing the DB spot is going to be the most important thing for the New Orleans Saints because I think offensively, they're pretty set. I don't really see a weak point in the Saints offense outside of maybe like a, a second tight end. Um, yep. But that's not something you're <laughs> going to go use a, a high draft pick on when you did that last year. I just don't see that being the case. So I think getting the DB here is going to be important. Um, if I had to pick a guy, I know a little bit more about Molden out of Washington. So I'll lean that way. Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I just want to talk about this offense for a bit because I think a lot of people are nitpicking around it. And, like, yes, they don't have as much talent as last year, but you have Alan Kamara, who's, like, one the best running back in the NFL, second best running back in the NFL. He's right there. And really, to me, at this point, it depends on which running backs, like, what style is, like, better. Do you like the 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 bruisers with Derrick Henry? you like the more elusive guys with, like, Kamara and then, like, CMC. But, I mean, he's one of the, to me, top three. You have Michael Thomas, who just a year ago won Offensive Player of the Year, and I think people are forgetting that he's probably going to come back really healthy and, to me, really determined. I mean, you know, some people, they were comparing his just, like, his competitiveness with, like, Michael Jordan. So, especially after the bad season that he had last year and just, you know, where he was hurt, and, you know, obviously he – I feel like he was always in and out, and then a lot of the games he played was with Taysom Hill. So, again, like you said it already. So, that's already kind of, you know, the beginning of just, like, you know, it's just not that good of a season. He got shut out in the, the, the playoff game against the Bucks. I bet he's going to have a lot of fuel and he's going to want to show out. And I actually expect a really big year from him. And that means you don't need as much from your number two. I mean, I'm a big fan of Traquan Smith. I think with a guy like Jameis Winston, I think he can, you know, extend the field a little more than maybe he showed. He's a great blocker, which, I mean, you know, I, I know it's very unsung, but that's really huge to have a great blocker with him. You have a great blocker with Marquez Callaway, who I really like also, to me, who kind of looks like a mini Marcus Colston a little bit. I mean, obviously same number, but also kind of same build. And he's a guy that I think on third downs, a guy like Winston or Hill, they're gonna they're gonna trust him. And I do expect him to him for him to take that next step. And then Deontay Harris, I mean, you know, you talk about just how fast he is, and everyone wants to talk about the deep passes, which I mean, look, he's gonna probably catch a few and he's gonna catch those home runs. I love him in that short area quickness because he can make guys miss. 
in, you know, just a little area. He can make guys miss in a phone booth. And that's something that I really love about Deontay Harris. And I'm very high on the running backs, receivers, tight ends. Yes, I'd like to add another one, but I'd almost probably do that in free agency, just trying to add like a third blocking tight end. And even not, you do have um, Garrett Griffin, I believe, who's still on the roster, who, again, if he's your third tight end, it's not the end of the world. I like what they're doing at the offensive line. I think they found, you know, you're kind of, you know, maybe you don't love the guard play, but you're kind of stuck with that. They're young, they're controllable, and, you know, you're not going to add. So that's kind of who it is there at this point. And they've given a lot of either draft capital to a guy like Cesar Ruiz or a big contract to a guy like Andrews Pete. Like, they're just going to have to start just playing better. And, you know, at a certain point, hopefully they will. And, you know, you can't really do anything about it. So I don't think you change anything with that offense. And then you go to the defense and, you know, you talked about cornerback and that's an area that you definitely have to address. And, you know, whether it's Robinson or Molden, or maybe you go a little further, there's guys like um, Paulson Acebo, who I really like. I think he could be a steal in the third round. And I, I Ross Jackson, I want to shout out him because he turned me on to him and I watched some of his film and, he looks like a guy that I think could be a steal. I mean, who knows where the Saints would pick him? And because, you know, you never know what these mocks, like one one uh, uh, projection could have him going high, low, you know, but this one is pretty low in the third round. So you could probably either move up in the third or you can um, maybe wait and see if he drops you. I think he could be a guy. And just to kind of switch it up to not go cornerback, I really think that interior line is a big worry for this team. It's it's, it's To me, it's a little – not a lot of people are talking about it. And I think just line as a whole, you have Cameron Jordan, who's coming off his worst season in a pretty long time, at least five years, which, again, I feel like he may take that next, you know, back up to that 10 sack. But you never know. He's getting a little older. But I, I think he rebounds. And then opposite him, you know, you have a guy like Passamois, who they just signed. Definitely more of an experimental player. You don't know what you're really getting out of him. Good run defender, but only had one sack last year. I mean, I know he had five the year before, but that to me is not. Like you're going to bank on him. Same with Marcus Davenport. I mean, I wrote an article on him, you know, a few weeks ago. And like, he's a guy that, look, I think has a ton of talent and he's even put it, you know, onto the field for a good 10, 12, you know, games at, you know, at a time in 2019. But then last year, he just completely takes that dive down. So you don't know what you're getting out of him as well. Carl Granderson. I mean, as much as I think he's, you know, hopefully going to take that next step. It's really hard to bank on guys that were undrafted free agents and then on the interior, you got Onyamaru, who I love. I think he is turning into a star, and he's one of those late-round late, late round finds that I really love. And um, I've always loved him out of college. And then really after him, you're going to have guys like Shai Tuttle play. Uh, you know, you're going to have guys, um, you know, like those types of players. And that's something that, for me, it's a little unsettling. When you see a guy like Milton Williams, who's a guy that can play inside and out if needed, guy like uh, Tommy Togai, who I think is probably a little worse. I'd probably rather Williams. That's the area that I'm going to go and I'm going to go pick, you know, a local guy, Louisiana Tech, Milton Williams. I mean, just looking at some of the things he does really well. I mean, just looking 6'3", 284, so maybe a little undersized and maybe be like that, you know, kind of guy that can play both inside and out, maybe like a Mario Edwards type. But he's, he's a player that's going to get to the quarterback, quick, powerful, be able to get leverage, and that's really big, good hand placement as well. And He's a guy that, you know, locally, I think a lot of people would like him. And um, he's got the toughness, got the strength. I mean, he's a guy that I would like to see. And just this line, you have to have good line play in the NFL on both sides. And that defensive line, it does worry me because you have so many players leaving the rotation. I think that's fair. I think the interesting thing, and I talked a lot in the pregame shows with Saints News with John Hendricks about, especially early in the year, was 
the Saints were so stacked in the interior of the defensive line, Shy Tuttle week after week was a healthy scratch. After what a lot of people thought from Shy Tuttle was a really outstanding rookie campaign as an undrafted free agent. So now Tuttle gets his opportunity again. But I understand the concern to say you went from being a nice surprise your rookie year to being a healthy scratch a lot your second year to maybe thrust it into being, you know, the number two defensive tackle. That that has its concerns. However, also, Malcolm Roach is another guy. Sorry, just I wanted to – I forgot his name. I looked him up. I had to, had to throw him in there too because I think he's a guy the Saints like. Roach and Brown last year, right? The Malcolms. Yeah. But, um, you know, with Brown leaving – Rankins leaving. I understand the concern, but Sean Payton, when he likes a guy, he likes a guy. And I think it says a lot that Shy Tuttle's still around. And same with Malcolm Roach. I think those are two guys that they like enough, they trust enough. I could understand getting some depth, but again, I think that's something you can do um, in free agency. Like I said, I think if if there's a quote unquote biggest hole on this team, it is number two defensive oh yeah yeah and so that's where i would go um totally respect your pick i think it is as you said something that maybe people are downplaying a little bit maybe i just downplayed it by saying well the saints (laughs) like these guys so so they're just gonna play them um but i do think the saints like those guys i could see them getting like i said like a veteran free agency to come in and see what they could do um and we haven't even talked about free agency. It's an interesting thing because the Saints haven't done a whole lot outside of retaining their own, which I think is a very noble thing that doesn't get talked about enough because when you are a consistent uh, team in terms of winning and you're able to retain some of your own guys, even though they it's lost important. a ton of their own guys and they had to, um, it's important to retain some, some key pieces. So uh, with that being said, the Saints do still have a little bit of cap room, not a lot but a little bit and the longer that they wait to sign guys the better and especially with the cap being lowered this year and i think you and i have talked about this before in in, you know just casual conversation has been well your guys that were going to be in that three to five million dollar range because of the cap coming down all of a sudden find themselves at like vet minimum to a million maybe vet million to 1.5 and you're going to be able to maybe steal a guy and be able to get really good value on And I know a lot of people are saying, well, what about Richard Sherman? Like the Saints still in play for Richard Sherman. Well, honestly, the longer that Richard Sherman takes to not sign, he represents himself, which I think is one thing that not enough of the media is talking about. This guy is going and negotiating his potential contracts himself. Um, Pretty remarkable stuff. Shows how intelligent of a guy Richard Sherman is. And I actually think he's a really good yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's I think he'd be smart. a really good fit. Um, you know, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Tristan on, on the podcast with you just a few weeks ago, it said Josh Norman would be intriguing. Yes. I'm like, yes, that would be intriguing too. He's a guy we were both Remember. talking about. I was like, yes, because both – I feel like because he also – he has a relationship with Demario Davis. So, like, that's something that – I mean, I, I don't know how much that would impact his decision, but that's something that I think mesh-wise, when you look at Sherman with um, Chris Richard. And then, I mean, Demario Davis and Josh Norman have been doing things in the community together. And like, you know, they're, they know each other from, you know, other stops, just being veterans in the NFL. I mean, like that could definitely be something that I can see. And it makes a lot of sense. And if he's not signing for, you know, that five, 6 million, you could see him take that dip into where the Saints price ranges. And 
that makes a lot of sense, especially like my mock draft where I'm not picking someone in the top two rounds. Well, and people quickly forget Sean Payton made a big push for yeah, Josh Norman. That's very true. Before he went to Washington, a huge push. He was trying to get guys to take pay cuts. Yeah. So the Saints had enough money to go get them. And reportedly almost did uh, get him out of Washington's building and get him into New Orleans to discuss a contract. So I think Norman's an interesting guy there too. Um, but I think it's important to draft that young guy and groom him. I think it's equally as important to bring another veteran in. Um, I think Norman or Sherman could, could absolutely be those guys. Uh, and to make one more point offensively with this team, you mentioned, well, the receivers, you know, they're young, they're unproven. Outside of Mike Thomas, what do we really have? I want, I hate, I hate when people compare like the Super Bowl team to current Saints teams. I hate it, but I'm about to do it. With the wide receivers. Works. <laughs> Look at what Drew had. You yeah. know, outside of, outside of Marcus Colston, who in, you know, 09 and 10 had really just proven himself. Still to a be. seventh round pick. Yeah, a seventh round pick. And then you go and you look at Robert Meacham, who never lived up to the first round pick, yeah. but was a crucial part of those Saints teams. Then you had Devery Henderson, a second round pick, who never really lived up to a second round pick, but was a crucial part of those teams. Then you have Lance Moore. You know, you look at all that and you go, well, Mike Thomas was a second round pick. He's absolutely lived up to it. Traquan's kind of been like a, eh. I'd say right? fourth round pick, I believe. So. I mean, you kind of. I think it's a third. Maybe a pick. third, but to me, like but that's average. You got I'd say. good value. You yeah. got good value for him. You could be like, oh, like come on, Robert Meacham. You had your moments, and you have some moments. Yeah. You're like, what are you doing? Um, but I think if you make that comparison, you go, you know, what? You, the Saints have never been a team that's let's go get huge name wideouts. They've always been a let's just work with what we've got, and it's going to go great. And I think that's another scenario that could happen. I think there's talent in this, in this team, you know, I I think there's like that, that group is talented. And I think they found players that maybe, you know, I mean, I know they're undrafted players like a Callaway and a Harris, but to me, Harris looks a ton like Darren Sproles wide receiver version. And it's not just the the deep speed. It's it's not just that. And like a lot of guys can just be burners that short area quickness where he can just juke guys out of their shoes and then move up the field and do it again. That's stuff that you, know, it's, you don't see. I mean, like, I mean, it's not just straight burner speed. Like John Ross has straight burner speed, but you know, in the open field, doesn't do much. You look at a guy like Harris, who's just, I mean, invading tacklers. Like you saw it in the playoff game against the, the the Bears, he could be a possession guy. I mean, I know he's small, and you know, he may not be like the the largest target, but I mean, he's got talent. You know, he's definitely, I think, more than just an undrafted guy that just can run. Like he definitely has some really great skills that you can use. Same with Callaway. I don't think that he's just like a blocker, a big guy. Like I think he's a good, good receiver over the middle that you could use in Traquan. I mean, I, I think that he's kind of sneaky and I, I think you could maybe see his potential a little more with Winston, but even not, he's been a guy that catches touchdowns, a good blocker. And when he's on the field, at least he was a guy that like Drew Brees trusted him a ton, which I mean, you know, to me that, that says a lot that Brees was throwing to him over other guys. So like, I think this group is actually going to be really solid. I think the defense is going to be more of a worry, even though it was like a top five defense and like that defense was great and it was balling out last year and I loved it and I wanted to bring it back. They couldn't bring everything back. They still bring a lot of it back, but you have to fill linebacker two and cornerback two. And then that line has just, you have to add depth there. And that's kind of, you kind of have to have at all three levels, which 
it's tough to do. I, I do think they can do it. I, I think when going back to free agency and like the, the depth signings, I think like Tamu passing well, he was one of those guys where, you know, he's like, he fell into their range. Maybe he would have went a little higher. Second round pick has a ton of aspirations and just kind of fell into the Saints lap a little bit. Not fell into their lap because he was actually battling with the Chiefs to get him back. Um, the, the, the Saints and, you know, he had contracts from both of them, ended up choosing the Saints. But I mean, maybe he's one of those players as well. But I think between, you know, this team, I think they're still looking good. I think they're still looking at that nine or 10 win level. The defense is where I focus on probably round one and round two. I think, I think you double dip there. I mean, that's just really my opinion. And maybe they do trade up. I, I like that move to trade up to like 50 to get a guy like Asante Samuel Jr. I mean, I think he's going to be a really good player. And I think he's a plug and play starter. I don't know about Molden and, you know, Robinson. I think they could be. I mean, it's just, it's tougher when you get deeper into the second and third round. It's tough to ask of a guy like that. And then first round, you may want to find the cornerback you like, and then you can go do it. I know Greg Newsom's a guy I really like there. I mean, we don't know. We've got like Caleb Farley. He has all of the, you know, the intangibles, but the injuries, you know, he's back injuries. That's a little questionable, but I I do think that, you know, you kind of, at least you have areas where you can pinpoint and pick guys you want. And some teams, they need a lot more. But, I mean, that's just kind of where I'm thinking with the draft and the Saints. I mean, I think it's still a 9-10 to win team, and this team will have a chance with a new quarterback at the helm. But, I mean, they still do have, you know, holes to fill. Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail right on the head. Offensively, this team should be fun. And that's crazy to think that we I think they'll be a top-10 offense. It's crazy to think that we would be saying that. If you would have asked either you, me, uh, frankly, anybody in the Saints media five years ago, are the Saints going to continue to be a top 10 offense without Drew Brees? I don't think there would be a no hesitation yes. But to me, there is right now a no hesitation yes to where five years ago, I don't know where this team's going to be, uh, which is crazy. You know, that's a crazy thing yeah. to think about too, five years ago. You know, if Mike Thomas, you don't have Alvin Kamara, you know, your two guys that are offensive player of the year. It's like, I mean, like now you have them and now you just got to, you know, teach your quarterback, get the ball in their hands. I think Kamara, I think maybe it's time because he's been kind of, you know, they haven't been giving him a huge load, which I think is great trying to save him up. Maybe now is the time you give him a little more increased. You still have Latavius Murray, who I love a lot as well. So maybe you could still run that same rotation. It probably will. But I mean, like, I feel like if Kamara's healthy and Thomas is healthy, to me, not a lot of, a lot of other offenses can say that they have a elite player at both the running back and wide receiver position. And I think that's extremely so, so valuable. And, you know, when you have a top 10 offense, you look at the defenses and if your defensive line plays well, you know, your linebacking play is good. You, know, you looked at the Bucks this year. I mean, a great front seven, that back, that, that back secondary was not that good. And maybe you can then pass by with a guy that may be a little worse, a second round pick of, of Patrick Robinson. If you have that front seven, that's really great. Now we'll see what the Saints do. I mean, it is very, very interesting. Even look at the Chiefs. They don't have the greatest secondary as well. And like that, like, I don't know. I'm kind of saying like, do you go get that second, you know, that second corner first round? Or do you go get a guy, a linebacker really love? Because you just saw the Bucks with Devin White and, um, you know, Levante David. And they're just running all around making plays on Patrick Mahomes. That's something that to me is really interesting. But, I mean, <laughs> I still think the Saints team will be okay. Maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself but right now i mean i'm 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 pretty confident to see what they'll they'll do and i just can't wait for the draft because as you said before they got eight picks so you know we'll kind of we'll see what they're able to fill what they trade and kind of all that stuff yeah it's the first time in a long time that they at least that i feel 
Like they have a complete draft. I think 2017 was the also last time they had a seven. Had, they know, had seven picks. So eight picks. So five to go even farther. One knock on wood, but the, the 2017 draft class ended up being <laughs> a pretty good draft class. So um, last last point for me because I know we need to to wrap up. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Latavius Murray, um, and Latavius was a guy that was in a lot of people's quote-unquote plan for the Saints to get under the cap. Maybe he's going to be a cap casualty. I think it speaks volumes about what the organization thinks of Latavius Murray to keep him around. Because there's not a lot of teams in the NFL that are paying their backup running back that kind of money. And it's funny because I I don't consider Latavius a backup running back. I consider him 1A or 1B. You've got to interchange with, with Camara. Camara is definitely 1A, but uh, I don't think Murray's 2. I think he's 1B. And you see the versatility that he brings, how smart the guy is. I mean, look at the, yeah. the touchdown pass the against two, Chicago, yeah. where Drew kind of just – I don't know how Drew found him. <laughs> but Drew finds him, and he found, finds a way to get in the end zone. I think Latavius is um, the most underrated running back. I said it throughout the year with John Hendricks last season on the pregame shows. I think he is the most underrated running back in all of football. It speaks volumes uh, that the Saints decided to keep him around at his cap number. And he didn't restructure either. Um, so Latavius is a big part of this team. He'll continue to be a big part of this team moving forward. And quarterback in a new system, a new situation, their best friend's going to be the run game, and you got two really good running backs moving forward. The Saints are going to be fine offensively, completely with you, Andrew. First two rounds, got a double dip on the defense. Yeah, for sure. And just like my last point is that contract with Latavius Murray instead of Ingram. I remember like a lot of Saints fans like, oh, I want Ingram back. They ended up making the right decision, getting Murray for, I think it was like four years, like $16 million. Like that's a bargain right now. I mean, and Ingram, he didn't sign like this big contract either, but he's been better than Ingram. I mean, just flat out last year, he was better the year before he was, I mean, I know Ingram was like a thousand yard runner, but this year, especially like, I mean, Ingram was, you know, he was a healthy, healthy scratch, you know, and then you see Murray running, scoring touchdowns, making those plays with Drew Brees, as you were saying, but yes, definitely love what, you know, the Saints running backs um, are doing. And Brendan always love talking with you as it's always fun to chop it up, talking with some Saints. And I I definitely want to ask you, where can they find you on social media? Where can they find your work? on saints news and all that fun stuff yeah you can follow me on twitter that's at bt boylan like i said earlier in the show if any of you um have heard tristan's story whether that be from us uh, the houston men's basketball team and you just you know you you feel like you got to do something or you want to do something uh, for the family please reach out to me just shoot me a dm uh, on twitter i typically follow everybody back so just give me a follow, I'll follow you back, hit, uh, hit me in the DMs and I'll, I'll point you in the right direction. You can follow all my stuff on uh, at the Saints News Network on www.saints.media, making it a little bit easier with a new URL. It's just saints.media. You don't got to worry about all the backslashes and everything. That'll bring you right to the, uh, to the SI site. Um, and then also uh, for the people that maybe recall from the previous podcast I've been on, uh, here at the Hoot at Discussion. It's a word show season. Um, whether, you know, you got the Oscars coming up um, and, and all that all that hoopla. But it's not just the Oscars. It's a lot of other film festivals as well. And uh, my film, The Dance of Bulldogs, which covered uh, the Gardner-Webb running Bulldogs men's basketball team. Um, 
winning the Big South Conference and then going on to be leading Virginia at halftime. Uh, looked like it was going to be the second straight 16 over one. Didn't end up happening. But it's a story about that team because how many people get to hear the story of that 16 seed and, and what it means to a small school? Um, so that's the story. Uh, it's award season. We've got, we got one nomination from the North Carolina Film Critics Association. Uh, didn't get the victory in that one, but that's okay because we, uh, we lost to a movie that just got six Oscar nominations. Um, you <laughs> so, you know, I'm not, I'm not too upset with that one. And, um, you know, I, I really do think they're going to win some. They had a lot of, uh, a lot of Asian actors in that movie too. So as an Asian American, it's great to see that. Um, and I would love to see um, an Asian American bring home uh, an Oscar award. It'd be awesome. But we're up for a couple. So if you haven't checked out the movie, please do. Uh, please follow, you know, whatever journey we get, whatever nominations uh, we get, we're super thankful for, especially for a film that had a budget of zero. Um, <laughs> and we, we did most of it through Zoom. So uh, definitely thankful we were able to do something like that during the pandemic. So follow that. Also, I got to shout out the entire Saints news team, uh, John Hendricks, Bob Rose, um, our GM, Kyle T. Mosley. Follow all those guys on Twitter. Um, John, I believe it's just John Hendricks. Um, could totally have messed that up. Um, but John Hendricks, Bob Rose, Kyle T. Mosley. Uh, follow all those guys on Twitter. Follow their work at saints.media as well. Those, those guys are awesome. And then uh, Dr. C, Carla Antoine, she's with us as well. Make sure you, you give her a follow. Uh, she's doing some great stuff reporting about these, these renovations that are going on in the Superdome that all of a sudden just stopped today. So make sure you yeah. look out for some of Carla's stuff as well. She's got a good inside scoop. Um, and of course, you can read some stuff that Andrew does as well. Um, we put out a piece this week um, about James Winston. Uh, and his fantasy value. And we're going to be looking into a couple different players and their fantasy values heading into 2021, especially with uh, a new quarterback at the helm of the Saints for the first time in 15 years. Uh, so to make sure to follow us all there. And uh, Andrew, as always, it's great to uh, great to come on um, and be a continued reoccurring guest on the podcast. Yeah. No, it's always great to have you on and definitely uh, check out the Dancing Bulldogs. I mean, I watched it. I mean, I go to a smaller school, so to like see the camaraderie, I could definitely like, you know, I feel it as well, like as a small school going on. And I thought it was really interesting and definitely uh, I'll leave the, the links in the description from, you know, for the for the doc. So definitely check that out. And then, yeah, I mean, look, St. Sue's Network. I mean, I'm just so fortunate to learn from all you guys and, you know, write a little bit, do the videos uh, type of stuff as well. It's just all really fun. And um, definitely, um, as we said at the top, thoughts and prayers go out to Tristan Edgerson and his family. And uh, my heart goes out to them as, I mean, it's just, you, again, as we said in the beginning, it's just hard to put it into words and um, definitely keep praying for them. Reach out to Brendan if you guys want to help in any way. Uh, definitely be greatly appreciated as, you know, just doing a podcast with them. You know, you, you saw just, you know, the type of person he was and, um, you, you know, you did definitely it's just it's just so hard, you know, it's just, it's really one of those things where you just have to step back for a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's just so sad, but I think with all that said, I want to say thank you one more time to Brendan for coming onto the show. <laughs> He's giving me the peace sign. I, I love that so much, but I think with all that said, I want to say thank you guys for listening, turn it loose and who dat. <laughs>